Good morning. Welcome, everyone, to Prairie Doc Radio. We have Dr. Holm in studio, ready to answer your questions. If you'd like to call in a question at 692-1430, we'd be happy to take any questions that come in. Yeah, I, I really, this is your show, would, would really appreciate a, a call and a question, 692-1430. Uh, I mean, please give us a call. Any so what question. would you like to start with before we have a call? Well, let's talk about the show for tomorrow night. We are going to have uh, two hospitalists from Aberdeen, hospitalists being the internal medicine doctors who do intensive care, uh, intensive hospital care at the Aberdeen Hospital, who are presently, and I got to know them because they are presently uh, learning to be geriatricians. And, and um, that's the opposite kind of of the scenario of a hospitalist because a geriatrician is learning the long-term care, the end-of-life care, the uh, avoidance of polypharmacy care, how to teach people to walk with a cane, uh, the, the uh, idea of rehabilitation, uh, protecting people from... Uh, Going into the hospital, and you're saying they work in the hospital. Is that so, your point? So what, I'm, what my point is, is these are going to be the best of the best because they, are, they have been trained in a polarity because if you look at hospitalists, the biggest problem with hospitalists is they have no concept of letting go when it's time to let go. And yet the geriatricians really concentrate on the fact that there's a time that you get old enough and sad enough and or painful enough or System demented failure. enough or failing enough or frail enough that it's time not to do all those intensive things. And so that, you know, that's a system failure is a good way of putting it. Uh, that's a real deal. And the hospitalists don't seem to get that. Uh, but here's two hospitalists her who are learning and uh, so these are young docs a man and a woman who are going to be the best trained of of the group you know that you could imagine I'm, it's going to be very interesting tomorrow to so hear the, them. those of you who might be new listening this is homes or this is prairie doc radio Ooh, but the television the show is on call with the prairie doc seven o'clock thursday evenings south dakota public broadcasting so if you haven't tuned in before we hope you'll do so um we should probably take a break and then we'll come back and answer your questions 692-1430 This is Joni Holm. I'm here today as uh, filling in for Joan Hogan for Prairie Doc Radio. Oh, and good, looks like we have a question. So let's go right there. But let's say, before we go any further, uh, Bob was pointing it out that uh, Joni turns 15 this coming Monday. Had to blame me for that, right? Well, wait a minute. When's your birthday? I'm not going to tell you. Okay, it's August. Okay, I was going to say, you're not another February 29th. No, no. You know who is, and we'll send a birthday wish out to Steve McCarthy and Ryan. Ryan, what's Ryan's last name? Oh, we'll think of it before the end of the show. Do you all get together and have Groundhog birthdays then? No, but we should, should no, because, we and w the three of us are the same year. Also, Lorraine no way. Wallstrom. What yeah. if you buy a lottery ticket? Yes, Lorraine Wallstrom is uh, for. Uh, February 29th as well, but she isn't uh, going to be 15. But uh, so you turn 15. That's the that's a pretty good number, and uh, it's a it's a big number across the board anyway. 
Uh, Rindells. I knew I'd get it. Ryan oh, Rindells. Rindells. There you go. Happy birthday, Ryan and Steve. <laughs> so, uh, so happy birthday, Joni. Yes. Um, and, and uh, of course, we're going to talk about Ask Anything. But one of the things that uh, we're going to be doing the following week is going to be talking about uh, elder abuse. And that's been fun, kind of researching and preparing. Uh, sad, depressing. It's sad. It's overwhelming. It's, it's heartbreaking. But it's, it's a reality that what happens sometimes when people become... Uh, or are they lose their capacity to make reasonable choices, then vultures attack. You know, I read recently that one of the fastest growing fields in the law, as now they specialize into corporate law and, and bankruptcy and things, is elder law, because there's nobody there that represents the needs of the elder folks. And they, you know, they have relatives that prey off them and steal their money and their pharmaceuticals and stick them in nursing homes and things. And so... Oh, but sticking them in nursing homes sometimes is the best thing you can do. Sure. But sometimes right. they so do I, that to control them, too. Yes. Well, I mean, if you've lost your capacity... Then, uh, you know, the, where is the best care? Certainly, But they may not have lost capacity is the point. It yeah. may be an inappropriate placement. Well, then if you, you haven't lost capacity and it's inappropriate, then, uh, then you should be able to say, no, I'm not going there because we have autonomy. Uh, so we can talk about what it is that makes a person uh, uh, lose competence. Competence is a, is a legal term. Capacity to make choices is more... Uh, the 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 term that we use outside, but uh, that's another story. We'll talk about competence. That's that's an interesting issue, um, and uh, determining who has the right to make their own choices and when should that right go away. And that's a million dollar question, isn't it, Bob? Think about that. And that will be addressed um, a, a week from tomorrow. And we could even address it today later, but we have a question, don't we? Yes, and we would invite your questions. This is Prairie Doc Radio. Please call us at 692-1430. And if you want competence to be addressed, give us a call. Okay. Sorry. Our first question is, is there a bad stomach flu going around? I have not seen a bunch of uh, stomach things. I have seen upper respiratory uh, symptoms. Although, fortunately, not influenza, which is just awesome. I saw an influenza A in the hospital two weeks ago. If you look at the flu uh, chart that's coming out, and we have it on our, our show tomorrow, um, it bumped up a little bit and it dropped down again. I mean, it's an amazing year. But it has been pretty minimal, which is great. And I th think that we have to thank those of you who have gotten your flu vaccine. We appreciate that you help protect others by getting that flu vaccine and you're also protecting yourself uh, but I will comment on this um, stomach bug and uh, we prefer in healthcare not to call it the stomach flu because it gets confused with influenza but Which I know is a that it is called infection. the stomach flu is not flu right it's a stomach virus I have I haven't seen a lot in in clinic, but I have talked to families who have in fact I had a family yesterday where everybody mom dad baby all had it at the same time and so you just imagine how hard that is when everyone yeah. is sick i saw i saw it in a in uh in about three weeks ago in a, a few cases but then i haven't seen it but i'm not seeing a ton of people in the walk-in clinics at this point so right and i was walking yesterday and we did not see i i would say that that wasn't a lot of what we saw it certainly can be out there for the person that's calling and you know a lot of times people don't come in of course the main thing you need to do for that is stay home wash your hands 
frequently. Drink lots of clear liquids. Avoid the dairy, the milk products. Eat very bland foods. Sip on chicken broth and give it time. And so the times that we would encourage people to come in would be if you're getting dehydrated with a dry, sticky tongue, matte finish to your tongue instead of a shiny, glistening tongue. Uh, that's when it might be appropriate. Right. Right. There was a it's interesting uh, discussion about the history of of uh, this viral gastroenteritis. You know, gastro meaning stomach, but enteritis meaning small intestine, large intestine. And a virus attacks and it makes everything not working so well, so it doesn't absorb things. And so the fluid just goes right through you. Uh, and there's some people who say don't slow it down. Let it get, let it, let the virus wash out. If you if you take uh, Imodium to slow you down, which is one of the things that we commonly prescribe, uh, the theory is that it might keep that bug inside you. Uh, people, if you use pe- Pepto Bismol, they say that's uh, protecting the wall from the virus, so that's a better choice. But again, it gives you black stool and it makes people worried about bleeding. Um, uh, so, uh, but anyway, I was reading uh, this discussion about. Um, the old people, uh, the old, uh, the ancient uh, uh, doctors and people didn't know that it was, uh, that some of this stuff was a, um, a bacteria. Uh, and uh, they just, they oftentimes uh, uh, would uh, have people um, uh, go out to the privy or go into the, into the system and then put the system into the drinking water and spread the illness. Um, and so before they understood that it was an infectious process, uh, we, were, we were spreading it. I mean, that, uh, and some of those were not viruses, but bacteria too. So how is someone going to know the difference in a viral or bacterial process if it's, if it's the vomiting and diarrhea type illness? Right, uh, the, you give it a, a day or two. And most viruses will run its course in a day or two. Uh, and what I generally say, just like what you said, and I'll just repeat to highlight them, is to, I don't push anything when people are vomiting. You, you just Rest don't, the stomach. Yeah, don't drink, don't eat, nothing, nothing. When you finally are starting to get thirsty and hungry again, start very slow with clear liquids. You know, water is a good choice. People talk a big a lot about replacing electrolytes and using Pedialyte, which is expensive. Uh, but really, uh, you, d- you don't need to worry so much. You just need the volume of fluid. So it's water. Uh, it can be warm water. It can be hot water. It can be cold water. Uh, if you want to do the Pedialyte equivalent, which is cheaper, you can use Gatorade, which has the salt in it, and white grape juice, which has the potassium in it. Uh, the the uh, sodium in the Gatorade and the white grape juice for the potassium, and white grape juice doesn't have what the blue or purple grape juice has that causes uh, that has a certain sugar that causes diarrhea. So people talk about white grape juice, but I haven't seen it on the shelves lately. Have you? I think it's there. I I haven't looked, but I think it's there. But um, so when you go, you don't take anything by mouth for a while. You go to clear liquids, which is nothing milk. Milk is the last thing you're going to want to add because any other dairy, yeah, or any dairy because milk has a sugar that's hard, that's a disaccharide. It's hard to absorb. It causes a lot of problems with people. So you avoid milk until you're will really well. 
What about the Dr. Holm Brat diet? We haven't talked about that yet. Well, then the third thing, after you've, you're in uh, clear liquids and you're able to take it, you want to advance your diet. Now, Joni will respond to that particular brat diet theory, but I kind of like the brat diet because it's easy to remember. Little kids who have diarrhea and, uh, are irritable and they're little brats. Bananas, rice, applesauce, toast, B-R-A-T, brat. Those are easily absorbed. Uh, and I add eggs to those, so brat, bratty, bratty kids. Um, but there are th- people who say that that's unnecessary, except avoid milk. What do you think? I don't recommend it quite as often, but not for any particular reason. I think if we just go slowly. But I, in general, yes, those are nice foods. And, so. you know, eggs in particular, because there's no better protein Protein. source in the world and easy to digest and easy to digest good finger food for children for toddlers unless you were going to drink your own blood Uh, which is probably not encouraged on that note let's go to our second (laughs) break and we'll hope you'll stay with us and come back to prairie doc radio with your questions Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Please call us with your questions at 692-1430. This is Joni Holm filling in for Joan Hogan, and we have Rick Holm in studio. Um, um, we're gonna and they get no escape from you, do they? Because we take a break, and then there comes Joni Holm. Oh, my voice, yeah. Well, sorry, folks. Yeah. <laughs> so we were talking about the uh, gastroenteritis or stomach virus. And Bob and said Bob that he had talked a story. With Let's hear it. Well, I was at the home show on Saturday, and I saw Dr. Ellsworth and his wife come up pushing a little feller in a stroller. And I said, well, are you working today? And he said, yeah, I had the call over at the walk-in. And he said, we saw 30-some patients today, about half of which were complaining about symptoms related to the gastrointestinal disorders, and the other half, the upper respiratory, sinus and cold and things. So it's kind of yeah. an even split. And then I also heard some some various folks that came by. They had kids with pink eye that is making the rounds now. I yeah. know Dr. Susan from the optical shop has a little one at home now sick with it. So have you noticed that? Yeah. Uh, you know, I always see pink eye. And, of course, I work with children. And so it isn't – I haven't noticed a, a big increase. But whenever there's a few cases, particularly in a daycare, you're going to see – a few cases coming in um same thing with hand foot and mouth you know we that's a really common illness and it comes in spurts all of those do um the thing about pink eye and rick and i uh, are in agreement with this is that most of the time well there isn't a good way to tell whether it's viral or bacterial when you have that red eye with the exception that the conjunctivitis that's caused by a bacteria there's three three kinds of red eyes there's allergy there's viral and there's bacterial, three basic kinds. There's probably more than that. But the bacterial is the one that we worry about with the children in daycare because their parents need to get back to work. It's a reality. And the children are infectious. And so if the eye is mattery and they're having to wipe that green, yellow, mattery material out of the eye frequently throughout the day, we call that bacterial and we generally treat. In agreement? Right. And there's, uh, you know, it used to be uh, that the major, most infectious infectious uh, 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 thing. I remember the ophthalmologist giving this lecture at Grady Hospital 1970-something that the most infectious uh, element in the world is uh, pink eye because it uh, viral pink eye, it just spreads like wildfire. Um, and and I, I thought from that that, and I've been saying for years that, you know, most, most pink eye is just virus, runs its course, and it's gone. Leave it alone. Um, 
So, but a uh, recent article in the JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Association, stated that 80, actually 80% of pink eye is bacterial. And I, well, I read on it and I said, well, gee, you know, that means that an antibiotic for the eye, uh, which we've been doing because there's always that risk. I always thought of 20% bacterial, but uh, so you use the antibiotic even though you know it doesn't make uh, viral uh, uh, conjunctivitis any better. The answer in the paper was that the antibiotic um, uh, helps the kid not be infectious and you can go back to school better. Uh, the, but if you left it alone, it's a self-limited disease. It would get better. It gets better on its own. It's just this world we live in, and I totally get it. I, I mean, if you had the opportunity to be home, that might be an option to wait it out. But parents are stressed, and they are being held accountable by their work work rules yes and you know there are legitimate times they need to be out and when the child feels fine but has a pink eye let's get them back let's right. get them on treatment and get them back so parents aren't missing a and, day and the rule they're saying is if they've been on eye drops for 24, 24 hours and go back to school i think that's a decent deal uh and how many eyes have we saved by giving them an antibiotic i don't know how many allergies to antibiotics have we caused probably some lots uh, so it's not a, an important issue except that the, what we're standardly doing, even though it isn't perfect scientific, perfect scientific sense because it is a self-limited disease for the most part, is we give them antibiotics and they can get back to school in 24 hours. Now, the, the, the time that we need to, uh, the, this is the time that we should bring up uh, conjunctivitis secondary to uh, people who have len Allergies? have lenses people who have uh, contact lenses, uh, they can have bad, bad infections. And they can have irritations. They'll come in with contact lens, uh, lenses and red, red, red eyes. I'll see teenagers all galore. And the treatment is take the doggone lenses out for two weeks. Yeah. yeah, you have to take the contacts out and, and clean them and let them soak, but you, You've got to let your eyes heal before you put those contacts back in. Right. There it is. And I get the, I put them on an antibiotic and maybe it's allergies, but, uh, so there's anti-allergy, uh, uh, drops that you can use, um, that are over the counter. So there are, and there are prescription drops. I remember recently sending in a prescription drop for a child that was having itchy eyes. And I got a call back from the pharmacy and, and they said, mom's standing here and she's not willing to pay $113 for this eye drop. I'm like, oh my gosh, neither am I. So luckily the pharmacist was able to direct me to the now over the counter version of that. Right. And I, 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 <laughs> I mean, I've been on some eye drops because of eye problems of late, and I, I've asked Ken Knutson, you know, every time, okay, uh, you can give me a sample, that's fine, but when it runs out, I want the generic. Are you sure it's, you got to take it more often and it burns a little bit more? And I go, ah, what's the difference in cost? Oh, $120. Well, you don't have to pay because it's being paid by insurance. Uh-uh. I've got deductibles and or... Uh, they don't want to pay for the prescription when the generic is available. And or, you know, and that whole thing goes on. And somebody has to pay for that expensive pills or drop. So I, I go generic every time. And we that. encourage you listeners to keep Push that in mind. That. Yeah. Right. 
So I have a question. Um, I read once, and it's probably wrong, that there are certain ethnic groups that are more prone to problems that arise from pink eye, specifically Native Americans. Is that true? I haven't heard that. I, I don't know that either. You okay. I, I read once that uh, there was an outbreak in a town that they were able to trace back to a swimming pool that you know a lot of uh, Native American kids were swimming yeah. at, and practically every single one of them there contracted pink eye, and, and a very yeah. severe case of it, too. So. Well, you know, huh. uh, swimming pool and hot tubs can carry gram-negative uh, bacteria. And uh, the gram-negative bacteria, you know, uh, Pseudomonas, E. coli, uh, there, a lot of the gram-negatives are also fecal uh, bugs. Uh, and uh, that's not to say that we don't have a lot of exposure to the fecal bugs. In fact, probably uh, our, some of our major medical illnesses are because we have avoided the exposure to fecal bugs. There's a lot said about the advantage of our microbiomes, and we should have more exposure to those fecal bugs than we have. Uh, and we're even giving transplants, quote-unquote, of fecal bugs to people who have uh, overgrowth problems because they haven't been exposed to enough of the world's fecal flora. Uh, and you give them an enema that has your relative's uh, feces. Feces. Uh, but all that said, some of those will get into your eyes if they're in too high of a concentration. They'll cause infection in the eye. Uh, and uh, you can get, you know, urinary tract infections and all sorts of problems from too high of a concentration. Or if you go to Mexico uh, and you eat their food, there is a high, high concentration of fecal flora in their world, more than we're used to. And that's what Montezuma's re uh, revenge, revenge is. It's just an exposure to a, a lot higher concentration than we're used to. And the, the, the population they're eating it every day don't have the problem because their bodies have adjusted. Yeah, they, that, that, that's it. You get used to it. You know, your body lives with this fecal flora, and it, it's, it's okay to mm -hmm. eat uh, more concentration of the stuff. Let's take our third break and then we'll come back. We would appreciate your questions at 692-1430. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. This is Joni Holm. We have Rick Holm in studio. I have to tell a quick story. As long as we were, when we talked about hot tubs, it made me think of it. There is a, an infection you can get if your hot tub uh, chemicals aren't correctly balanced and you have a little bit more of that growth with the uh, gram negatives so every now and then and I know you've had this Rick where a, a person comes into your office and they go, oh we've got these spots and we don't know what they are and you look at them and you say you've been in a hot tub lately and their eyes get big and go how did you know and it's a pretty classic looking lesion and so you feel like a, yeah. a magician figuring yeah. this out and it's like Ooh, i got it I, you nailed so it it's one of those fun ones where well, you can it, say I, I think i know what this is yeah good for you on that and that uh, pseudomonas is generally the character that lives in that hot tub and you get a folliculitis meaning that it if uh, it attacks inflames the follicle or the hair follicle and the, if you want to know where the hair follicles are on your body, just get goosebumps. And every one of those little bumps is where a follicle kind of, uh, the muscle that surrounds the follicle squeezes and it pushes that goosebump up. 
uh, and it can occur in your hair, but it can occur in hairless parts of your body. Well, every part of our body has a little bit of hair, a little bit of hair, or a little residual, or a little fuzz, or whatever. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about competence, uh, and be, and and we've got just five, four minutes, so I'll just throw this out to you v- uh, very quickly. That uh, when a person loses their antegrade memory, the ability to learn a new thing, that's really the most important test of them all. Now you can talk about uh, naming and words and uh, and uh, you know function uh, are important. I think how uh, you know the Tupperware in the oven fu- dysfunction, uh, you know judgment calls that are kind of like that is really historical. What how are they doing at home? But when you can't learn a new thing. That's it. And how do you measure that? You ask them to remember three things and then ask them to remember what were those three things again and then ask them what those three things were again. And uh, I think that's probably your most important test. And when you lose that antegrade new thing memory, you still hold on many times to the old, old memories. It isn't the old, old memories that uh, are lost at first but those aren't the ones that keep you safe either no. it's the ones that you have to have to live you gotta have my dad yeah. could tell the story about his um his old horse dan he could tell that story over and over and over again and not remember that he told it and there it was it a is. great story <laughs> but <laughs> it didn't it help yeah it didn't help if if he you know didn't remember if he took his medicine or not yeah no so that's the the major issue uh, and, and you can get the details. You can do a mini mental status exam, which is probably the most common uh, way of measuring it. And if you're above 20, you're okay. And if you're below 20, you're in, and if you're on 20, you're borderline. Uh, but the and you can look that up on the internet. But really, it's the integrated memory that matters. Bob, you forwarded me a test a couple of weeks ago to test your reflexes. Yeah. How did you do on that? They said I was 25, 27. 27, too. So, yeah. Obviously, we are quick, very smart. Now, I watched a little boy yesterday <laughs> at the clinic who was playing a video game as he waited for me, and his mom uh, politely asked him or took it away from him when it was time to pay attention. But Oh my gosh, was he good at it. And this guy was about four. And his reflexes as he moved this little car, I know I couldn't have done it. So this test must not be that skilled. Well, Bob and I could do that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, but you know, my competency is slipping. It, that antigrade memory. It, it becomes more difficult for me to <laughs> remember a new thing. It does. It really does. Of course, In that's computers, oh my, uh, I am not technology. good at remembering yeah, new things on computers. You know, I think, uh, though, remember, the most important thing to keep your brain sharp is to work it. If you don't use it, you lose it. It's like that with an elbow or a knee. It's like that with your heart, muscle, and lung. It's like that with your brain. And I and the best act, uh, activity to exercise your brain, no question about it, isn't a puzzle. It isn't, you know... Uh, the competence test. It is... Reading. Commu- oh. No. Actually, the studies say to have a conversation. Really? Because it's reciprocal. Well, not only that, but you have to listen. You have to have, there's a, a, a conversation that is listening and sharing and is talking about different issues that are, you know, you have to 
you think about a lot of things when you're listening and you're having a discussion. There might be a few women out there listening who say, well, there's no conversations in this marriage because sometimes men aren't known to listen. Yeah, but look here. Every Wednesday for half an hour, we get a chance to sit around. Everybody converses yeah, and has so a chance smart. to think. And, oh, it wow. just makes you smarter. Yeah. That, yeah. It's not working for me, though. No. So. <laughs> There's always the exception, right? So the conversation is an important thing to do, and you can do puzzles too. But uh, just sitting in front of the TV is probably not your best deal, unless you're doing the quiz thing at 5.30 and then you answer all the questions. But I like the idea of a conversation as your exercise. And we're out of time, Joni. Well, I appreciate everyone listening to Prairie Doc Radio. We come to hear, uh, to talk with you every Wednesday at 9.30. You can write in your questions or you can call them in, and we'd be happy to answer them next week, and we'll see you then. And don't forget about tomorrow night's show, 7 o'clock, South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television. Uh, we'll ask anything. So we'd love that, and thanks, Joni, and thank you, Bob. Stay healthy out there.